بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما وسددوا الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد This is session number 64 of our series Islam's greatest personalities and we are now discussing the seerah of our beloved prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this is part 13 Over the last two sessions we've been discussing the mention and the prophecies regarding the last prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the previous scriptures and this is a whole topic in itself um if we carry on going into more detail we'll be here for a one year but the mention of this won't finish that's how much detail there is if we go into the previous just earlier today in the morning when i was doing some research and preparing I was just thinking I'll ask you guys this is going to be the third session on this particular area now we can carry on looking at other books other verses or then we can move on because this gives you an idea that our purpose is to you know this is not some Ahmad Dirat course or Zakir Naik course they were specialists in the field okay and we leave this specialists and experts deal with their fields we're just touching and just looking to understand so my question to you is do you think we should continue going through these and more because there's this so much we can still go through different verses explore them or has this given us a sufficient overview now because we're going to have another whole session today and we'll move on now to the next part of the seerah which actually goes and speaks about him receiving prophethood A or B? Equal by saying B. 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 I think everyone agrees. You're saying A. You, is it because you find this interesting? It it is very interesting, and the more you go into it, so it's 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 like even the some of the books of the Zoroastrians. If you go into the Hindu, the Vedas and the books they have. how much mention there is of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam his mother his father and you can't deny it even in their books and you there is a lot of detail um, but inshallah let's have today's session and then inshallah we will try and move on because it's 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 a whole discussion in itself and a whole field in itself so in the previous session we've discussed in detail how the bible and remember what we when we say bible what does it mean Yeah, Bible means a compilation of books. Okay, Bible doesn't mean Injil. It's a compilation of books, and that's the, the word Bible comes from the word which means compilation of books. So we've discussed in detail how the Bible was written by many different people. Do you remember how many people? Over a period of more than sixteen hundred years. Anybody remembers how many people we said? 
have been responsible, 40 people, 40 different names can be given for people who've been responsible for writing the Bible. So you've got different people writing it. Remember we spoke about the language? Like it wasn't in the language of the prophets, okay? Uh, and then it's been distorted, it's been changed over centuries. Things been added, things been taken out, things been cut out. Despite that, the truth cannot be deleted. This is one thing we learn. Truth can never be deleted. Truth cannot be suppressed. There's a system in this world. You know when you suppress the truth, it comes out even more. The more you suppress the truth, it comes out more. So you can't hide and suppress the truth. And even now, although it's been changed and hidden and all sorts of things, but even now there's still prophecies you will find regarding the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now the Hebrew word, so we've spoke about Torah, the uh, Bible, we're going to speak about, a bit about the Torah today. So the Hebrew word for the five books attributed to Musa Salam is called Torah. So there were five books and the compilation of these five books uh, is called what we call the Torah. The meaning of Torah means Sharia, like a law, that's what it means. Torah actually means Sharia or law, Qanun. What are the five books which are known today? Okay, we're not talking about what they call it. They might call it something else. But generally, from a biblical perspective, because I know Christians will probably differ with the Jews in regards to what the Christians called the Old Testament, which we call the Torah, and the Jews might say, no, we don't believe it like that. Everyone's got their differences. So we're just having an overview. So the five books, the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the book of Numbers, and is it Deuteronomy? Is that how you pronounce it? Deuteronomy? Okay, so these are the five books which are known as Torah, also known as the Old Testament. Okay, so just to give you a very simplistic idea of what's contained in what. So the first book, if you, if you open the, the Bible and you start with the Old Testament, the first thing is book of Genesis. You always see references of verses and then at the bottom will say Genesis. Okay, you see this a lot. This speaks about the events from the uh, first patriarch, which is Ibrahim salam. So events from the life of Ibrahim salam onwards. Oh, 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 yeah, up, up until that time. Then the next book is Exodus. This is speaking about Exodus meaning when Musa salam and the Bani Israel, when they fled from from Egypt, okay? So it talks about all the stories of the Israelites when they fled with Musa salam, and when they went to Sinai and they stayed there and the religious experiences of the Israelites and things like that. One year, according to them, they stayed at Sinai. Musa salam went to the mountain, received and around that area they stayed. So all them kind of stories and whatever happened is in the book of Exodus. Then we have the book of Numbers, Arqam. So in the book of Numbers, it speaks about when the Israelites were wandering in the valley of Teeth. Quran speaks about this as well. Remember when Musa told them, fight the people? And they said, no, you go, take Allah with you. We're going to stay here. So Allah made Al-Ardul Muqaddasa, the Holy Land, haram upon them for 40 years. Quran says this. And then they were in this valley, wandering, lost. Okay, some say it's at the bottom of the Negev Desert somewhere there. Allah knows best where it was. Well, maybe it was somewhere around that area. So in the morning, they'd set out on the journey, looking for the Holy Land. 
and they'd be walking, walking, traveling, traveling. And the evening, where would they end up? Where they started. And this happened for how many years? 40 years. So Allah says, Allah promised them that he's going to give them the holy land. All they have to do is fight. They had to go in jihad because the warriors were there. So they said, no, we're not going to go. So if you want to go, all this time you've been saying you want to do it. Now it's time to show. You've been saying, I want to do it. I want to do it. Now it's time to show and you're falling weak. Not only were they weak, they were very rude, very disrespectful. Okay. And blasphemous towards the prophet. And they said, Quran speaks about this story. Musa, you go take Allah with you. Go and fight the people. We're going to sit here. We're not going. So Allah became very angry with them. And he says, for 40 years, you people don't deserve the Holy Land. So for 40 years, they were in this valley. But with them is Musa salam. With them is Harun salam. During these 40 years, Allah is still showering them with manno salwa coming from the heavens. So despite these faith and why are these stories mentioned in the Quran about the people of the book again and again? Quran is filled with it. You open the Quran again. Ya Bani Israel, Ya Bani Israel, Ya Bani Israel is telling us a message that look, they were people like you. They had a Nabi like you. They had a Kitab like you, but they didn't appreciate. They weren't grateful. They turned away. They denied Allah's favors. So look what happened to them. Don't follow the same path. That's why when we say, Sirat al Mustaqeen, Sirat al Ladina an Amta Alehim, Ghaidil Mabdubi Alehim, Waladdalim. So intentionally, they were being awkward with their Nabi. So these things are mentioned now in Al Qam. And then in the book of Deuteronomy, you have the accounts of the Israelites just up until one year before they entered Palestine uh, when Musa Islam passed away. So Musa Islam passes away where? In this forbidden valley. In the Wadi of Ti. During that time, he passes away. So Musa Islam didn't get a chance to enter into the Holy Land because of these people. Uh, so the, the last book speaks about just before then. So this is just an idea of what's discussed in these chapters. So we're going to look at a couple of prophecies found in the Torah and just to analyze them to understand. We've looked at Quran. We've looked at the Bible and some of the things that are mentioned there. But I'm going to look at the one of the prophecies from the Torah. So there is in the so I've told you the five books. So from the five books, the fifth one called Deuteronomy. This is the fifth part of what is called the Torah and the first part of what is called the Bible, which we know as the Old Testament. Chapter 18, verse 18 and 19. Now I do sound like Zakir Naik. Okay, so this is what's being addressed to Musa salam. So let's, let's, say, let's say Moses because we're talking about the Torah. Let's call it Moses. So Moses is being told by God in this book, uh, listen to the verses. I will raise up for them a prophet like you. God is telling Moses, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not give heed to my words while he shall speak in my name, I myself will re re requite it of them, require it of them. This is a passage from the Torah present today, the book of Deuteronomy, should I say, and in the Bible. This is a, and, and this is addressed to Musa alayhi salam. Now they will interpret it in many, many, many different ways. We're going to look at what's just been said. Let's break it up into pieces and just look at what it says. The first thing that it says is, 
I will raise up for them a prophet like you. Oh, before we go into prophet like you, from amongst their brethren, let's take this first, amongst their brethren, meaning amongst their brothers. Now, brethren here means what? Who were the people of Musa salam? The Bani Israel. Who are the brethren of Bani Israel? Bani Ismail. Ishaq salam, Ismail salam are brothers. Okay, you have Ishaq salam and Ismail. The children of Ishaq salam are called Bani Israel. The children of Ismail salam are called Bani Ismail, like our Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So when we look at brothers, this because then the ancestor is the same, is Ibrahim salam. So Ibrahim alayhi comes at the top. He had one son called Ismail, one son called Ishaq. Okay. And then from Ishaq salam comes Yaqub salam and everybody else after this is Bani Israel. All the way to Isa salam. On this side we have Ismail salam and then he got married to the Jurhum tribe. But later on came Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But all his children are called Bani Ismail. So a prophet will be from among their brethren. Okay. So this is... We understand that brethren here would mean the children of Is 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 Israel. Israel, understand this as well. Israel. Israel is the name of Yaqub alayhi salam. Yaqub alayhi salam's original name is Israel. In Hebrew, Il is Allah. Il means Allah. Israel, like Ismail. Ismail, so Il means Allah. Ismail. Okay, and in, in Hebrew they say ish, ish. You, you might hear English people saying Ishmael. Okay, and it sounds a bit annoying, like, don't you know how to pronounce it? That is the actual pronunciation. This, this is the actual pronunciation. Uh, there's, there's a place in, um, in Wales called Saint Ishmael. Uh, I, I saw it not so long ago once I was driving and I saw a sign. I thought, okay, that's interesting. So again, they, they revert someone holy to them. It's a name that they use as well because it comes in the prophetic lineage. So this is in Hebrew, they're saying, they're saying it like this. So in Arabic as well, if you look at the words, Isma' comes from Sami'a. Sami'a yasma'u. Anybody knows a bit of Arabic? What does it mean? Sama' To hear. Okay. So Isma'il, okay, Ibrahim al-Islam was very old. He was very, very old and he didn't have any children. So what do you do when you don't have children? You pray, you make dua. When he was blessed with a child, he named the child Ismail, meaning Il is Allah. Ismail, Allah heard, Allah listened and Allah heard the dua. That's what this name is, Ismail. Allah heard the dua. So similar like this, like Jibra'il, Il, you've got this, Mika'il, okay, Israfil. All this Il at the end, Il is referring to Allah. This is what these people are very clever. They've, they've chosen a very special word for a country that doesn't exist. Okay. So nobody can say anything. So we should be very careful when people people like take the mick out of the name. Okay. You might disagree with the occupation. You might disagree with the people that are there. But this is very sly and cunning the way they've done it. Because remember, he's got Allah's name in there. Il is Allah. Israel. So Yaqub salam's original name is Israel. All the children of Yaqub salam are called Banu Israel. The children of Israel. We call them the Israelites. 
everybody who comes and Quran speaks about them again and again uh, Ishaq uh, is another one this is a whole different topic in, in terms of names and why are people called so Ishaq some of the scholars have said that Ishaq probably could be from Idhaq means to laugh and to smile uh, we know his, mo his mother Sara when the angels came to punish the people of Lut Quran is saying what happened was they stopped at the house of Ibrahim they were going to punish the people of Lut so they stopped at the house of Ibrahim and they said that your wife is going to have a child uh, and she laughed from inside that Quran says she laughed because she was so old Ibrahim was so old. what kind of news are you bringing I'm going to how am I going to have a baby she laughed so maybe they say this is why he's called Ishaq from Idhaq means to make somebody laugh anyway um, so there are other occasions in the Bible that refers to Ismail and Ishaq as brothers although they don't like to accept this but they know that they were brothers so let's look at again book of Genesis chapter 25 verse 17 and 18 these are the years of the life of Ismail. 137 years he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his kindred. Over here, meaning brothers. They dwelt from Hawaila to Suhur, to two places, which is opposite Egypt in the direction of Assyria. He settled over against his people. So here the Bible actually calls Ismail the brother of Ishaq. And then again in the Bible, we find that a prophet like you from amongst their brethren. Oh Moses, a prophet is going to come to you amongst their brethren. So here brethren, we will say Bani Ismail. This is number one. The second thing we find in this verse is a prophet like you. Moses is being told by God, a prophet like you. Now, Jesus does not, now normally Christians would say, now, the Jews, they didn't accept Jesus. The Jews didn't accept Jesus as a prophet. They slandered his mother. Maryam is sworn at by the Jews. They slander her. They speak ill of Jesus. They don't accept him to be a Nabi. They say Musa and that's it. They don't believe in Jesus and after that. So, the Christians would say that this is reference to Isa But the thing is, Jesus does not fit in the description that he was just like you because Moses and Jesus were very different. He wasn't like Moses. And the Bible is quite explicit about this point that Jesus and Moses were very different. In the Bible, in the book of Deuteronomy, again, chapter 34, verse number 10, and there has not arisen a prophet since, since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So there's another verse saying, there has not been any prophet like Moses, whom Allah knew very well. Quran says, Allah spoke to Musa face to face. And the Bible is saying something quite similar here. There has no, never been any prophet amongst the Israelites who is similar to Moses, the one who Allah spoke to face to face. Who was like Moses? Our Prophet ﷺ, was he similar to Musa ﷺ? Let's find out. The Prophet ﷺ was very similar to Musa ﷺ in many aspects. 
qualities, miracles, the laws, Sharia, very similar. Sharia of Musa Islam is quite similar to Sharia of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Whereas the Sharia of Jesus, his life, his miracles was very different. Very, very different. The New Testament we have uh, in the Act of Apostles. So this is a later book. Uh, chapter 3, verse 20 to 24 records a prophecy of Musa of Moses, which says, Christ must remain in heaven until this prophecy is fulfilled. In the Bible itself, it says that this prophecy, which one we're talking about, where Moses is being told that from amongst their brethren, a prophet just like you is going to be sent. The Bible itself says that this prophecy will not be full. Whilst this prophecy is being fulfilled, Christ, meaning Jesus, must remain in heaven. So before he comes back to the earth. So things are adding up. Now, Maulana Rahmatullah Uthmani Kiranmi, Rahmatullah, in his book Izharul Haq, it's an Arabic book where he speaks about these topics in detail. He has collected many, many similarities between Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Musa Alaihissalam. We're going to just mention some of them, some of the more prominent. He's mentioned loads. We're going to mention some of them just to give you an idea. So, number one, both of them were born through a mother and father. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Musa Alaihissalam. Was it Isa Alaihissalam? No. Number two, both of them married and had children. Did Isa Alaihissalam? No. Number three, their laws deal with civil matters. Musa Alaihissalam Sharia and the Sharia of uh, Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Jesus, Bible, I mean, it's, it's very different. His Sharia was quite different if you think about it. The people that followed, the way he went around his people, it wasn't like a full-fledged law like the Torah. Okay, like we hear about the Sharia of Musa. So many times we compare our Sharia with the Sharia of Musa and we, we, you never hear that. This was in the Sharia of Jesus. You never hear that because it was quite different. Number four, they were both commanded to fight for the supremacy of their faith. The Prophet ﷺ, did he fight? Yes, he went for Badr, he went for Uhud. We have Hunayn, we have Khandaq, we have the Fatha of Makkah. Musa was he told to fight? Did he fight and go in jihad? Of course, on many occasions we find. Jesus, do we hear of Jesus carrying a sword? We don't find that. There was no going into battle. Okay, number six. Sorry, number five. The same punitive law regarding adultery. Just last week we spoke about this regarding Rajam. Remember they were hiding the ayah in the Torah about Rajam, stoning to death. So Sharia of Musa has this same punishment mentioned. The Quran also has the same punishment. Number six, similarity of legally prescribed punishments. So other things as well. What Katabina, uh, Quran says, we, we, we Quran speaks about that in the Bani Israel. I know when we say eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, this is the Quran because that was there in the Sharia of Musa. Okay, somebody gets murdered, well, the person will be murdered as well. Somebody commits theft, their hand gets chopped off. So we don't practice that here, of course, but in Islamic law, it's there. So this is again in the Torah and also in the Quran. Uh, the power to enforce punishments, the prohibition of usury and interest. We find that there in the Sharia of Musa salam, and the Sharia of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Both of them died on the bed. 
meaning the natural death. Musa salam passed away naturally. We hear the hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari. The Prophet passed away naturally. What over Isa salam? Very different. Did he pass away? No. So, number 10, both of them were buried. Musa was buried. We know the hadith in Sayyid Bukhari, but the angels buried him. And the Prophet was buried, although not straight away. He passed away on a Monday, was buried on a Wednesday. Okay. Uh, and then people did janazah individually. Both of them left their native lands for the sake of their religion. So Musa salam, although he was from uh, the Bani Israel, but living in Egypt originally, and then what happens? He left his land. He had to leave his land. The Prophet ﷺ was living in Mecca and he had to leave his land. So again, another said, did Jesus leave his land? No. He was born there. He lived his whole life there. He was resurrected from there. He will come back. Okay. Allah knows where he will pass away. We don't know. Both of them overcame the great enemy of the time. Look at this similarity. Very interesting. So who did Musa overcome? Fir'aun. Who did the Prophet overcome? Abu Jahl. What did the Prophet say? Fir'aun wa hadihil ummah. He is the Fir'aun of this ummah. Can you see a similarity there again? He is the Fir'aun of this ummah. And in the laws, there are similarities. For example, Quran says, Quran says, Inna arsalna ilaykum rasoola shahidan alaykum Allah is bringing a similarity that we are sending a prophet towards you who is a witness uh, for you as well. Just like we sent to Fir'aun a messenger, we are sending to you a messenger. So again, Waraqa bin Nawfal, this is very interesting. Everybody's heard the name of Waraqa bin Nawfal. I know we've not got that in our seerah yet. Okay, we're going to get there very, very soon, inshallah. Hopefully in the next session or the one after. Who's Waraqa bin Nawfal? Khadija radiallahu anha's cousin. Okay. What, what, where does he come in? Which part of the story does he come in? When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam received... Actually, we've mentioned Waraqa bin Nawfal already, haven't we? We mentioned him earlier. Who remembers? Yeah, because they wanted to know about the prophecy. So they went to him then as well. So he's still around when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam receives prophethood. And he... Uh, when Khadija radiallahu hears, she knows my cousin, knowledgeable person of the scriptures, she goes to him. When he hears the whole account, that he sees an angel came and gave him verses and this is how it was the experience. What was his re response? Does anybody know? It's in Sahih al-Bukhari. What was the response of Waraqa bin Nawfal? What did he say? Anybody knows? What did he say? Yes. Brother at the back. Namus. Very good. This is the same angel that Allah sent to Musa. Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani rahmatullahi The commentator, greatest commentator of Sahih al-Bukhari. Al-Shafi'i. You guys will be happy. He was a great Shafi'i. Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani rahmatullahi when he is discussing this hadith, he says, Waraqa bin Nawfal was a Christian. He wasn't a Jewish person. Waraqa bin Nawfal was a Christian. 
Why did he say, Because Jibreel is called Jibreel, angel, Namus is Namus al Akbar, meaning the greatest angel. We know it's the archangel Gabriel, Jibreel. Nazala Ruhul Amin, Quran says. He says he's a Christian. Why did he not mention this is the angel that came to Jesus? Why does he mention this is the angel that came to Musa? Can you see we're finding more similarities between the Prophet and Musa salam. So Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani gives a few reasons. He says the scholars of Hadith have mentioned. One of the reasons is because there were similarities in the Torah and the Quran. The book of Musa salam and the Quran were similar as opposed to the book of Injil of Isa wasn't as similar as the Torah is to the Quran. Number two, he mentions, maybe it is because Musa overcame the Pharaoh where in the sea and the Prophet overcame Abu Jahl, meaning the Pharaoh of this Ummah in where, where, which land, hmm? which land, where was the end of Abu Jahl in the battle of Badr. It was the greatest victory of the Battle of Badr. Putting an end to the Fir'aunu Hadihil Ummah was a great victory. So he says this is another reason why uh, he's, he believes that uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that, uh, sorry, the Waraqa bin Nawfal said this is the angel that came to Musa Alaihi salam. And also one other reason he says that the Christians didn't, uh, the Jews didn't believe in Isa. So Waraqa bin Nawfal mentioned uh, the prophet which both religions believed in despite him being a Christian he said this is the angel that came to Musa alayhi salam so going back to the the prophecy of the Torah Moses is being addressed in the Torah which is found in the Bible today saying a prophet is going to come like you so I've already explained what like you means because Jesus wasn't like Moses but Muhammad was definitely like Moses and we've given a whole list of reasons. I've only told you some of them. Like I said in the book, Idharul Haq, there are many other reasons and similarities. We've just gone through about 15 of them. The next part. The next verse says in this, in, in this part of the Old Testament, the Torah, the Bible, it says, and I shall put my words in his mouth and he shall speak them all that I command him. Does that sound familiar? I shall put my words in his mouth. Do we hear something like this in the Quran? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Anybody? Yeah, he doesn't speak from himself. Whatever he says is from Allah. What's the Arabic? This is what it's saying. Quran says, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَى He, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, never speaks from his own desire. إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيُ Everything he says is a divine inspiration, revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Moses is being told that this Prophet that I'm going to send, I shall put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. This was never said about Jesus. Although all the prophets speak the truth, all the prophets are inspired, but this was a speciality of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Number four, the next line says, he will speak words in my name. 
he will speak words in my name. Again, this is a clear indication that this verse in the Torah, in the Bible, is speaking about none other than Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And this is a prophecy. Why? What's the first revelation? Read in the name of your Lord. Whenever uh, the only Muslims do this, whenever we start something, what do we say? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Everything is in the name of Allah. Look at the Quran. No other holy book starts like this. How many surahs in the Quran? 114. From 114 surahs, how many surahs start with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim? 113. Besides Surah Tawbah, all, so again, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And many scholars, like the Shafi'iyah, for example, they believe that Bismillah is part of the surah. And others have said, no, Bismillah is in the Quran. It's an ayah of the Quran. Innahu min Sulaiman wa innahu Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. There's a difference of opinion, but both opinions are there. This is why the Shafi'iyah read the Bismillah in the Salah as well. When they're reading aloud, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Because they believe Bismillah is an ayah of the Quran. But we know that there's seven ayat in Surah Al-Fatiha. So some scholars say, yeah, the seven ayat is Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, Iyaka Na'budu wa Iyaka Nasta'in, Ihdina Sirat Al-Mustaqeem, Sirat Al-Ladheena Anamta Alayhim, Ghayri Al-Maghdubi Alayhim, Waladdallim. Seven. However, those who said Bismillah is also an ayah of Surah Al-Fatiha, the first ayah is Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Number one, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إهدنا الصراط المستقيم عندنا صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين is one آية according to them but it's seven because سبعا من المثاني والقرآن العظيم القرآن says okay these are seven verses but this is how it's split so we are the only people, the Sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are the only people who use Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim for everything. He says, he will speak in my name. So this is Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So this was one idea. Are we following? Do we get the idea? How despite so many, so much corruption of the Bible, so much changing, so much altering. But if we look at this one verse, we can see how it's indicating definitely and directly to none other than Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Let's look at another one. Another prophecy from the Torah. This is from the Torah now. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's in the Bible. Again, the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 33, verses 1 and 2. This is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. He said, so what did he say before he died? He told his people, the Bani Israel, the Lord came from Sinai, Mount Sinai. He says, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned upon them from Sa'ir. He shone forth from the Mount Paran. He came from 10,000 holy ones with flaming fire in his right hand. So this we find in the book of Deuteronomy, Torah, the Bible. And these are words of Musa apparently the words of Moses before he died, he told his people. Now, very interestingly, today our respected Imam Maulana Junaid Saab in the uh, Isha Salah, what did he read? Do you remember? Oh, we forgot. Maghrib, sorry. What, what, what did he recite? Wattini was Zaytun, Waturi Sinin, 
You're going to see now that this similarity, okay, over here. First of all, we know that Mount Sinai is where Musa revealed, received what? Torah. Okay, Torah. How do we know this? The Quran speaks about it. Okay, Tur Saina, Tur Sini. Quran speaks about it very clearly. That's number one. Then it says, He shone forth from Mount Paran. What's Paran? Faran. Anybody know what Faran is? The three places mentioned here are mentioned in the Quran. The Torah in this particular verse mentions them chronologically in the order that it happened. Which Nabi came first? Musa alayhi salam. Okay, so this is what's mentioned first. The Lord came from Sinai. Who came next? Isa alayhi salam. And dawned upon them from Sa'ir. Sa'ir is a place by Jerusalem. So Isa alayhi salam received the Injil there. He shone forth from Mount Paran. What's Mount Paran? Paran is Makkah. Quran says. This is, this is in the book now present. Faran is referred to Al Hijaz. Even today, Hijaz is called Faran. So, what Quran did was so in the Torah, this is mentioned in chronological order. First, mentions Musa, where he got his holy book. Then, he mentions where Isa is from, the place where he got his holy book. And then, he mentioned where Muhammad got his holy book, Paran, meaning Makkah. What Quran did was, Quran changed the order and mentioned them in order of significance going up. Okay, so the Quran says first, Wattini was Zaytun. Wattini was Zaytun, Fig and the Olive, meaning Baytul Maqdis, Jerusalem. Who got the book there? So Isa alayhi salam. So number one, Waturi Sinin, Mount Sinai. Who got the book there, Torah? Musa alayhi salam. So this is the rank of prophets. Isa alayhi salam is great. Musa alayhi salam is greater than Isa alayhi salam. Allah decides, and we, we're not here to make a competition who is greater, but we know we can understand from the qara'in and from the virtues that have been mentioned, significance of Musa alayhi salam was very high. And then, left the best till the last. Okay? Best till the last is Quran. This holy city of Makkatul Mukarramah, where Quran came. So Quran brings in all. Can you see? Very similar here. Um, so now, so basically from this we understand that Paran is actually speaking about Makkah. That from there. Now, the Torah mentioned in chronological order, according to rank. Now what happens after this? So these three things are mentioned and it says, He came from 10,000 holy ones. This is what's written today in the Bible. He came from 10,000 holy ones. So he's mentioning coming from Paran, which is Makkah. Who came from there? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And he received the Quran. And 10,000 holy ones. Now, fearing that people come, will come later on and will figure out that this is talking about none other than Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This prophecy of the Bible has been altered several times. You know, some things have been changed once. Something changed twice. This one has been changed and it's still changing. You can see today, compare an old Bible and a new Bible, you will see they've changed this even now they're changing it more recently. Why? Because the only person you can attribute from Paran is Muhammad Coming with 10,000 people is where? 
When did he come from? When did he come to there to Makkah with ten thousand people? When did he come? In the conquest of Makkah, Fatu Makkah. So this is a very clear indication that it's speaking about the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So, they, so I'll give you a comparison. So in, in the old Bible and the present Bible, in the old Bible it says the Lord bought from Sinai. This is what it was. The Lord bought from Sinai, okay, talking about Musa and the book. Today, in the current Bible, it says the Lord came from Sinai. This is the translation I read to you from today. The Lord came. Look, they've changed the word bought to came. We have to understand what does it mean by tahrif? Meaning they changed. The, this was, physically, I'm showing you now how words are changed. And this is something you can see today comparing an old Bible to a present Bible. The other thing that he came with 10,000 holy ones, meaning Sahaba. This is in the Bible. He came with 10,000 holy ones to Makkah from, you know, Fatah Makkah, conquest of Makkah. He came with the whole army. 10,000 people are coming. He changed it. They changed it to, he came from hundreds of thousands of holy ones. So instead of saying he came with, they changed it to, he came from. The, uh, the actual original Greek word which was used is, he came with myriads of holy ones. And the word myriad, if you go into the Greek, the word myriad comes from the word myria, which actually means 10,000. I know today we use the word myriads as like loads or thousands. But the, if you go to the original root of what it means, it actually means 10,000. No more, no less. Uh, and they changed it instead of that to the Lord came from Sinai. Um, so the word bought was changed to came. 10,000 holy ones to 10, to thousands, to 100,000. And some versions uh, of the Bible have dropped the verse totally. It's just this whole verse, they've just taken it out. We can't do with it. Too many changes have happened. Let's just cut it all out together. And they changed it to something else. And they said, he and came to Marbiya uh, Qadesh, which is in the Catholic Bible. The Catholic Bible actually changed the whole thing and put a different line in there all together. So that is another example. I'm going to quickly go over another one from the Psalms now. So we've done from the Old Testament. Let's look at the Psalms. Psalms chapter 45 verses 2 to 12. So there's an address being made. You are the fairest of the son of men. You are the fairest, meaning in complexion. You are the fairest of the son of men. Now, Christians confess themselves that this verse is about a prophet that's going to come. They know it's about a prophet that's going to come. But they adamant and claim that it's talking about Jesus. So it's about a prophet who's going to come, but they're also adamant and saying that he's talking about Jesus. Now, according to the Bible, and common Christian belief, this doesn't add up. Do you know what the common Christian belief is? What do Christians believe? Many Christians believe regarding Jesus. I'm going to read to you. The book of Isaiah, which is one of the very popular books of the Bible. Chapter 53, verses 2 to 6. Listen to this. This is speaking about, this is the Bible speaking about Jesus. He has no form of comeliness meaning no physical beauty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him this is the bible speaking about jesus 
It's saying he has no form of beauty that we should desire him or look at him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, unacquainted by grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our, our iniquities, meaning our transgression. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with his stripes we are healed. All of us are she all, all of us sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. So they are speaking about Jesus. They are clearly saying in the Bible that he was not good looking. He was someone that people would turn away their faces from. They wouldn't be attracted to him. And he was full of sorrow, full of grief, smitten by God. Because of our transgressions, he had to pay the price and go through these trials and tribulations. Some Christian scholars say that his beauty, the beauty of Jesus was only in his spirit and his work and his physical appearance was contemptible. Meaning people would just look away from him. In other words, na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah, they're saying he was very ugly. This is what Christians are saying. Another Catholic thinker writes, beauty of the face and form, he had none of it. Rather, he was devoid of every type of physical glory. I'm not saying this. Christians are saying this regarding Jesus. Do we agree with any of this? No, never. Because we believe every single prophet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent, he sent them with husnus surah and husnus seerah. Beautiful form and beautiful approach, beautiful behavior, beautiful character, both external and internal. Even when we read the stories of like we, when we went through the whole series of Adam salam till the Prophet till Isa salam, and if you remember, we spoke about, for example, Prophet Ayub salam, and we said Ayub salam had an illness. Even there, we were very careful because every Prophet Allah sent, he chose them, he selected them, he made them very beautiful, very handsome, very attractive, and people would be people would flock towards them. And this is the system of Allah subhanahu wa They were very appealing. Nobody would look and get scared. So Ayyub had an illness. His illness, you know, when some people say, oh, he was so ill, he had all these wounds and there were worms coming out and he was picking up the worms and putting, this, is, this doesn't sound right. This does not go with the character of a Nabi. Whatever illness he had, some scholars have gone on to say, whatever illness he had, it could have been such which did not impact his appearance. Rheumatism, for example. Arthritis, for example, you look at somebody, you can't tell they've got rheumatism, you can't tell they've got arthritis, they look perfectly fine. So Allah knows whatever illness he had, but he wasn't something that disfigured him, that made him repulsive, that everybody runs away. No, this goes against the, 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 the mission of a prophet. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so we know hadith of Sahih Muslim, total opposite to what the Bible says. Hadith of Sahih Muslim. The Prophet Sallallahu says himself, he says, I saw my, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying, I saw myself one night in a dream. I am near the Kaaba and I saw a man who was very fair complexioned, very white, very fair complexioned man, as fair as a man can be. 
So he's saying this is like the fairest person I've seen. And his locks of hair were hanging down onto his shoulders. He was a man with curly hair. Water was dripping from his head as if he had just taken a bath. He was going around the Kaaba, his hands placed on the shoulders of two men. I asked the angels, who is this man? And they told me this is Masih ibn Maryam. This is Isa, Jesus, the son of his Sahih Muslim. The Prophet is telling us that what these Christians are saying about Jesus saying he was like this and he was like that. None of it is true. We know the dreams of the prophets are true. Uh, so we have no option. Even if you might read something regarding Isa salam in some uh, tarikh, maybe, or biblical sources that he was dark skinned or he was like this, he was like that. But we take the hadith, Sahih Muslim, we believe in it. The Prophet told us we have no option but to believe. This is what he said, this is how he was. The Prophet saw him, that he was a very handsome man. So the prophecy of the Psalms, according to the Christians, cannot apply to Jesus. Because they themselves say that he was a person that did not have any physical beauty. People did not, were not attracted to him. And the Prophet regarding him, the Sahaba say, Ahsanun nasi wajhan. The most beautiful faced person was the Prophet Muhammad Another verse there says, God has blessed you forever. In there it says, God has blessed you forever. No doubt Jesus was blessed. Wherever I go, I'll be blessed. We know that. We accept him. However, not forever. His mission wasn't forever. It was for a limited time. Because even when he comes at the end of time, he will not come as a new prophet. He will follow the Sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Whereas regarding the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Quran says, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعًا كَافَةً لِلنَّاسِ وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا He was sent to the whole of mankind. بُعِثْتُ إِلَى النَّاسِ عَامَّةً all the other prophets were sent to a group of people. I've been sent to all of the people. So this verse that says in the, in, in the Psalms, God has blessed you forever, can only apply to Muhammad and not to Jesus. The third verse here is, Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one, in your glory and majesty. Now the sword is a symbol of authority, symbol of power. Whose description does it fit? Girding a sword. Does it fit the description of Muhammad or the description of Jesus? Have you ever heard any story where Jesus has gone into battle with a sword? No, that most likely didn't happen in the limited time that he had with his people. And then he was raised up to the heavens. Rather, he was persecuted uh, and the people around him were persecuted. And we know Rasulullah not only carried a sword, he led many battles himself and many ghazawat. The fourth verse is, daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. Who were the ladies of Jesus? Were there any? Did he marry? No, he was alone, he was single. Whereas the Prophet wasallam, there were many women in his life. Some of them were the daughters of great chiefs and kings and leaders. Khadija radiallahu anha was very wealthy. Safiya bintu Huyay. Okay, her father was the chief of the tribe. Uh, Ummu Habiba, her father was Abu Sufyan, again the leader of the tribe. Juwariya bint al-Harith, again her father was a leader of the tribe. So these were all ladies from high profile backgrounds, daughters of kings. Okay, kings wouldn't necessarily just mean kings. King, at that time there was no king. Who was the king of Arabia? 
Who was the king? There was no king in Arabia. They didn't have monarchy. Each chief was his own king. That's how it was. He was the chief. Everybody would follow. So daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. The fifth verse. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Now the Bible is a book that mentions a lot of metaphors. It's metaphorically speaking. So you don't take what it says literally. You have to understand what it's referring to. What does gold refer to? Gold, wealth, affluence, opulence, uh, generosity. So it's saying that your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. During the lifetime of the Prophet Islam had already spread to where? What's on the right? What do we call right? How do we say right in Arabic? Yamin. What does that sound like? Yemen. Okay, Yemen. Now when Yemen accepts Islam, you will hear, you might not hear about other places, but you will hear names of Sahaba that the Prophet called them and sent them to Yemen. Why? To go and collect the zakat. So now what's happening? They've accepted Islam. Zakat and other types of charity is now coming into Medina. This is the revenue. So whatever they, their money is coming and flooding into Medina Munawwara, going into the Islamic banking system of that time, not of today, of course. That's a different topic altogether. But of today, flowing into the public treasury of Medina. This is gold. Gold was coming as well, of course. Their currency is gold. All of this is coming. So at your right hand stands the... So another prophecy of the Psalms, we can see, does not fit with Jesus because there was no wealth coming there. Were, were people around Jesus allowed to even hoard wealth? No, no, not at all. It was over here. Number six, the people of Tyre, T-Y-R-E, will sue your favor with gifts, meaning appreciate your favor with gifts. Where is Tyre? Anybody? T-Y-R-E. On the coast of Lebanon, Mediterranean coast is Tyre, T-Y-R-E. Islam reached those areas as well. Not in the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, but a decade after his demise, Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, Palestine, Iran, Egypt, all fell into the Islamic empire. Now what's happening, these ancient cities, like Tyre, for example, on the Mediterranean coast, they became part of the Islamic empire. Now they're sending revenue as well. This is the gifts. The gifts are being mentioned here. Symbolical expansion of Islam. Number seven, richest of people with all kinds of wealth will sue your favor, I mean, appreciate your favor. Can this be applied to Jesus? Did any rich people follow Jesus? Were you allowed to have wealth? No, it was only the poor people. The Hawariyin were very simple people. Isa Islam himself was very, very simple. Whereas the Prophet Sallallahu everybody knows that Jesus was not accompanied by the rich, only by the poor. However, we find uh, for example, one of the times we find in uh, Luke, as mentioned this, Luke chapter 18, verses 24-25. Jesus was looking at somebody and said, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's in the Bible. So basically, according to his Sharia, rich people were not going to heaven. You, you had to be a simple person to accompany him. There were no rich people. 
Were rich people with the Prophet ﷺ? Yes. Let's look at Khadija, for example. Very wealthy. Abu Bakr, very wealthy. Okay, Omar was also were very wealthy. Uthman ibn Affan was like a billionaire. Abdurrahman ibn Auf, we can go listing the names. There were many, many Sahaba who had an abundance of wealth. So this is also another area where we find uh, in the Psalms. Now my time is up. But if you allow me to share one story with you, uh, I will continue and finish this one story. And if you say time is up, we will stop inshallah. Yeah? Jazakallah. I mean by said yes. Okay, so very quickly, I'm going to share with you another area where we find testimonies and prophecies is by the Jewish and Christian scholars themselves. So I'm going to share with you one hadith from a person called Zayd ibn Sana'a. So he was a Jewish rabbi. He was a doctor, actually, a Jewish doctor. So this is actually a hadith. So he told Abdullah bin Salam. Abdullah bin Salam accepted Islam. So one day he tells him how he accepted Islam. So he says that when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam came to Medina, he says, I saw all of the signs. Everything that was in our book, I saw all of the signs. But there were two things I didn't see. So he says, what I did was, I wanted to find those two things. What are the two things? Number one, his forbearance is greater than his anger. Meaning, forbearance meaning hilm. His hilm, how do you say that in Urdu? In Urdu, we call it burdbari. That's Farsi. That's not Urdu really. I don't know how, how I can explain this word. Burdbari is Farsi. Uh, hilm. You know what it means? Somebody's very hilm, halim, tolerant. Not intelligent, no. Tolerant, forbearing. Even if somebody makes a mistake, does something wrong, even then the person doesn't get angry, always let off, you overlook. Or you need to have a big heart to be able to do that, okay? So, number one, his forbearance is greater than his anger. Number two, he responds to extremely uncivilized behavior with even more forbearance. So already his forbearance is greater than his anger, but if somebody is very rude to him, his tolerance goes even more. Now he says, how can I find these two signs? I can't see, you can't see that on somebody. So he says, I became very close to him. I was very, he was Jewish, not Muslim. He says, I became very close to him. And I would very, talk to him very gently. I was very nice to him. I wanted to get close to him so that I could check out. And I wanted to see these two qualities in his life. And one day he set out from home with Ali radiallahu anhu. And there was a man who came uh, riding on an animal. And he came and he said, O Prophet of Allah, there's a people living in a particular settlement. I went to them. They, 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 I told them to accept Islam. And if you accept Islam, Allah will make you very rich and healthy and you'll have a good life. And they all accepted Islam. And now they've got famine, they've got drought, they are hungry, they are thirsty, they are dying. I don't want them to give Islam a bad name and I don't want them to die. Have you got anything, any money, any gold I can give to them? And this Zayd ibn Sana is standing on the side. He says, I'm watching all of this. The Prophet looked at Ali. Ali, anything left? He looked in the bag, he says, nothing left. No money left. And this guy's saying, please give me something. I don't want them to give Islam a bad Islam didn't do this to them. It just happened that they became poor and a famine came, a drought came. But give me something just to make them happy. So Zayd ibn Sana was standing there. He says, I spoke up. And he says, Oh Muhammad, um, sell me some dates and I will give some gold coins. And let's make, an, let's make a deal for a period of time, maybe for two months, for three months. Okay. I will give you these gold coins. Give me these dates and then you give the money back to me. 
And the Prophet ﷺ agreed. So he says that I gave 80 mithqal, 80 mithqal, these are real gold coins. He says, I gave 80 gold coins and the Prophet ﷺ took these gold coins off me and immediately he gave it to the man. He said, quick, go as quickly as possible, give it to the people so they stay on Islam and they don't leave Islam because of the bad situation that they're going through. Now, the man who says, I took some days. Now, we agreed a time that on this time, he's going to return the mithqal back to me. There were still two, three days left till the date. So he says, I went and I saw the Prophet ﷺ, they were in a janazah. They just buried an Ansari. With him was Abu Bakr, Omar, Uthman, they were all there. So he says, I went up to him. Zayd ibn Sana, I think, I went to the Prophet ﷺ and I grabbed him like this. Imagine somebody, he says, up until now he was so nice to him. He goes, I went to the Prophet ﷺ in front of the Sahaba. He says, I grabbed him like this with the collar. I said, Muhammad, give me my money now. Remember, there's two, three days left. And this, this, he says, this is why the janazah just happened. It's a very sad time. And he goes, I went up to him. I grabbed him by the collar. And I said, give me my money right now, angrily. Oh, Muhammad, will you not pay me my dues? Number one, he says, by Allah, O oh children of Abdul Muttalib, I know you are very dodgy people. This is how you always deal. You don't give money back. He's, he's holding him like this. And he's speaking to him. I already knew that you were going to do this to me. Omar radiallahu anhu is standing there. Omar radiallahu anhu says, if I wasn't scared that my sword might miss the target and hit the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa I would have chopped your head off right now. How dare you speak to him like this? How dare you behave with him like this? This is what Omar says. And he would have killed him. But now because he's holding, just imagine he misses the target and hits. So he goes, that's the only reason I'm holding back. The Prophet all this is happening, Umar is saying this, this man is grabbing him. The Prophet is smiling. He's completed a move. He's smiling. He's composed. And he's looking at Umar whilst he's talking. The Prophet said, Umar, he needed a different answer from you. He needed a different conduct from you. And I needed a different answer from you. Umar, you should have told me, O Prophet of Allah, pay him his money in a nice way. Omar, you should have told him, ask for your money in a nice way. This is hell. Omar, I didn't need to hear this and he didn't need to hear that from you. I, that's not what I wanted. You should have told me, oh messenger of Allah, pay his money back in a good way. Oh man, ask for your money in a good way. This is what you should have done. Now he says, oh Omar, take him. Now he's making him go. Omar, take him, give him his right meaning 80 mithqal, and give him 20 sa more. 20 sa more. One sa is 2 kilograms. Okay? 20 sa more. So, why? Because you threatened him. Because you threatened him. Now, Umar takes them up. Zayd ibn Sana'a is a Jewish doctor. He says, when he took me, he gave me my money, and then he gave me extra. I said, what's this extra for? He says, our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa told me I have to give you extra. He goes, what for? He goes, because I threatened you. Because I spoke to you the way I shouldn't have. This is why we are giving you more. He said, Omar, do you know who I am? He says, no. He covered himself. He said, do you not know who I am? He opened it. He goes, I'm Zayd ibn Sana. He goes, what, the Jewish doctor? Like, you are such a decent person. Like, what were you doing? He says, yes. He goes, what urged you to behave in such a horrible way with our Nabi? Why did you do this? 
What did he say? He says, I wanted to learn about his forbearance. When he came to Medina, I saw every single sign mentioned in our books. I saw everything. 98% of the signs were there. Two things were not there. That his, his forbearance surpasses his anger. When somebody is rude to him, he is much more forbearant. How will I find this? So I am very sorry. I didn't want to do this. But just to make sure that 100% of the signs were there. This is why I did this. And he says, Omar, listen very carefully. I bear witness. He says, Raditu billahi rabba. Wa bil islami deena. Wa bi muhammadin nabi. I am happy with Allah as my Lord. Islam as my religion. Muhammad as my prophet. Omar says, come on, let's go to the messenger of Allah. They go to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, I am the richest person amongst the Jews. Half of my wealth I am going to give for the Muslim Ummah. Omar says, calm down. Your money is not enough for the Muslim Ummah. Say you're going to give it towards some of the Muslims. Okay, so Omar played his part as well. And then they went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he says, ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu annaka rasulallah. The reason I mention this is to understand that there were some Jews and Christians who themselves confessed that we had seen everything in our books. And even the two signs, can you see how much detail there was about him? And he wanted to go and make sure. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a true understanding on the love of the Prophet sallallahu Inshallah, next week we continue. We'll probably speak about the receiving of the Prophethood, inshallah. Jazakumullah khaira wa akhiru da'wana. And alhamdulillah, ya rabbil alamin.